Are y'all ready <clears throat> to work for free? Because that's oh, what we do. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. We haven't had a tip jar in a while, have we? We are interns of the podcast. <laughs> Young is wonderful, dewy skin, lots of energy, not a care in the world. Then why not work a job for free or for minor ducats? That's right. This week, your Tishi hosts are talking about a rite of passage for some, the internship. Don't worry, we won't discuss the 2013 film starring Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, or will we? What? <laughs> I'm sorry. Anne, did you get the memo wrong? Did you just misinterpret? Oh, man. <laughs> I this was a cinema road trip. <laughs> Oh, it isn't. But from the Middle Age Bomber Studios, uh, definitely not an intern studios in Austin, Texas. I'm Hillary Livingston Butler, and this show has everything. Actually, we're talking about the intern, guys. You got it wrong with Anne uh, Hathaway and Robert De Niro. I'm so sorry. Um, <sighs> I know. Anyway, joining me to discuss some bottom rung bullshit in the Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, it's Anne Lindholm. Hi, Anne. I want to know about this dewy skin. That that was something I was supposed to have. Um, because if so, I want a refund. I know. Where did my dewy skin go? I had like a year of dewy skin, and then and then I didn't, and then my cystic acne returned. Um, what, yeah, what? seriously, it's like zit zit zits, slightly fewer zits. <laughs> yes, exactly. Slightly more zits. <laughs> And then you go into perimenopause and maybe some more sense. We don't know. And, <laughs> and then you get crow's feet, for God's sake. And <laughs> oh, um, the uh, short-lived, more on that later, Animal Loft Studios in Del Mar, New York, it's Bobby Pape. Hi, Bobby. It's funny. When I was an intern, I actually had the skin of Robert De Niro. <laughs> but like <laughs> present day Mo- Robert De Niro. <laughs> Oh, hey, listen, God. he can still get it. I mean, he just... I'm sure it has nothing to do... Yeah, it has nothing to do with his money and his celebrity. <laughs> no, no, no. Or that he owns, Eight like... decades strong. <laughs> blocks of New York, you know, for many, many years. Yeah. So nothing to do with that. Okay, as usual, we'll do some small talk, mailbag, medium talk, Tishi recommends, and how you can get involved with the show. Um, I'll take us into small talk quickly before the bigger news. Um I talked about how I was in the money pit or like lurching myself towards it. We are in the middle of it or I don't know, we're in the like end of the first quarter of it, I guess. And I'm really trying to hold it together. Like I'm really, everything is dusty in my life. I've had to, I'm so like process oriented. Like I do things in the same order every night. So like I had to adjust my process and I have to figure out what my new process is in order to like make it everything feel okay. And then I get a call from the general, the GC and like, he's a super nice guy. And I, I mean, ask me in a month, but like right now I like him and he is honest and gives me honest time frames and all that. But he was like, Hey, I have to talk to you about something. And I'm like, he's telling me about something, something. And I'm like, I know he needs to tell me something that he just doesn't, isn't like ready to tell me yet, but he needs to. So I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then he says, um, you know, they're installing the shower pan and 
but and they're gonna put fiberglass or something. I don't know. At this point, it's like Charlie Brown's teacher. I'm like, mm-hmm, okay, sounds good. Yeah, that sounds great. And he's like, and they're gonna use resin to seal it, and it's really smelly, and you probably do not want to sleep in your bedroom, but you actually probably don't want to sleep in your house for one night. And I'm like, okay, okay, you know. And it's just one of those things. I'm just trying to take it. I'm trying to be very zen about it all because I'm the one that made the choice to do this it's it's a voluntary thing we didn't have to do this but it just is like everything seems slightly messy in my house no matter how much I clean it every I hate I fucking hate using my kids bathroom it's so small and it's there's toothpaste inexplicably everywhere there's just it's just like chaotic in there I, I just don't like any of it and I know in a month or so I will be very happy with my luxurious shower, but right now I'm not feeling it. It's just dusty everywhere, and I don't like it. This is I why mean, it really sucks when you can't be upset because you did it to yourself. I know, I know, I know. I'm like, fuck, why? And then you know, this is the stupid thing is when they didn't find any like leaks or molds when they undid the when they did all the demo. I was like did we make a mistake? The whole reason I was doing this is I was like convinced that there was something wrong. And now I'm like, Oh God, put it all back together. It's fine. It's fine. The way it was. It's fine. No, I mean, it'll be great. I just, I seem to remember some, some deterioration. There 100%. And that was years ago. That was there. 100% was. And also I, I, it's going to be great. This is just like why we've lived here for 12 years. And the only things that we've really ever done were things that we had to do, like repair the fence or, you know, repair the garage door you know we did a couple of cosmetic things like we painted inside but nothing construction wise and i just do right. not have the stomach for it and or really the um bank account for it so i'm just well one of the things that has kept me from redoing all my floors is i just can't stand the thought of that much chaos I know. also i have no idea how they refloor utility rooms with like the furnace and mine has the water heater and the washer and dryer. And like, how, how is that accomplished? Like it's so daunting. So like that plus the money, I just like, I I can't bring myself to do it. Same. I mean, it's, it took a really long time for us to get started on this. And I, I don't, there's a, a woman I work with says, I just love projects. I love redoing stuff. And I'm like, that is my nightmare. Like we are so opposite because all I want is to come home and make a little meal and then go to my bedroom and play Candy Crush and watch something on TV. Like that's all I want all the time. I want consistency and some chillness. And that's just really not happening. The kids are very excited. We're going to stay at the Hampton and Oak Hill, which Bobby has stayed in. And Classic. The kids are psyched. They're like, where are we going to dinner? And I'm like, guys, we go out to dinner all the time. Like, this is, I don't know why you're acting like we've never been out to dinner before. Um, but then they get the waffles. Wow, you finally let them out of the basement. <laughs> They're happy for the Hampton and waffles or whatever. It's very thrilling to them. And I actually vaguely remember maybe staying at a hotel one time. Um, and hey, buddy, I'm, I'm recording. Uh, taquitos. Ask Bridgie to make them. Okay, there was a little interruption. <laughs> this is why. This is why I don't like the chaos. Why are they asking me? I'm in here. Anyway, yes, that's uh, that's my life. It's It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. You're going to go over to Via 313. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. For everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I will. I've actually yeah. never eaten in Via 3. I've only ordered it. So, hmm, that may be kind of Of fun. course, there's also, you know, Kirby Lane. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
I always like that. There's a salad there that I love. So anyway, TBD. I'll keep you all updated. I'll give you an updated punch list of what needs to be done. Let me um, get a view of the pool and if there are people in it at every waking hour like last time I was there. It's an all-seasons pool. Um, okay, know, and family, um, it, A family had just taken it over as an extension of their hotel room. Oh, great. Like God. Six to ten of them at any given time. God. I'm expecting that the the aforementioned punch list will be a list of the people that you want to punch. Yes. Not the list of items that still need to get done. <laughs> I know. I'm like, who? I mean, Calvin's definitely going to go on it. Um, and he also, yeah. Possibly your husband. Maybe my husband. Maybe your maybe. children. I'll give him a light little smack on the back of the head. Just kidding. I won't. I won't. So I his won't name him. is Calvin? Calvin, yeah. Well, I'm trying to picture a car decal of him peeing <laughs> on himself like it's an, an infinite loop. <laughs> I'll pee on them. No, ew. Um, okay. Ew. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to cut that part out. <laughs> um, ending on that, Bobby, this is where the real small talk. This isn't even small talk. This is giant talk. Bobby, this is big talk. News. This yeah, is this large is the, talk. You know, but I'm going to buffer it with something because after my last comment and then a very professional comment that's about to come, I don't think it'll be that close together because I won't be taken seriously. So before I break the big news, I'm going to break some small news, which is that last night, um, after we had our little planning conversation about today's episode, uh, I spent about three hours writhing in pain in my kidney stone region again. <gasps> no! no! It reared okay its ugly today. little head. I'm okay today. Um, remember, I had, like, scans, uh, ultrasound, or x-rays, rather, that said it was not there. And suddenly now, maybe it's a new one. Maybe it came out of hiding. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, last night was um, just just a hell on earth that ended oh. with me taking Vicodin and waiting for it to kick in. So, oh, Bobby, I'm uh, so sorry. Thank you, thank you. And I have a like when I'm feeling that kind of physical discomfort that you just can't do anything about. I can't stand still because I'm always looking for the comfortable position. Yeah. And so I think I got in and out of the shower every ten minutes for about two hours, and the yeah, cats man. were just so goddamn confused. You're like, why do you and, like, keep the- taking a shower? The towels that I was using just were just wet by the end. Like I finally just threw them in the dryer without even washing them first just to get them dry because they were so wet because I used them so many times. I was so miserable. And um, just, I'm okay today. Like, I guess this is just going to be it now until I can figure out how to resolve this long term. But like, sidelined out of nowhere. Like, Uh right now, too, I can can feel that spot. It doesn't hurt. I can just sort of feel the tension there. Uh, But... That, that, that's not even the entire news from that part of my little news. Here's more of my little news. This is a, a this is a grinds my gears Andy Rooney moment. <laughs> I went over to Hannaford today. Uh, I worked. I went to the office this morning. I came home and worked the afternoon from home, and I went over to pick up stuff for lunch. And you know, I've been doing a lot of research on like how to minimize the frustration and pain of kidney stones or minimize kidney stones. And I've seen varying advice about like cranberry juice and pomegranate juice, kind of similar to UTI mm. advice, right? And of course, you don't want to get the sugary stuff. You want to get like the real, just straight Yuck. pomegranate juice or straight, straight dope. Juice. And so I'm looking through the the aisles, and I find an Ocean Spray product that's labeled 100% juice, and it's cranberry and pomegranate. And I'm like, okay, well, that's, yes, ideal. I bring it home, I throw it in the fridge. A couple hours later, I go, I pour myself a glass. It tastes like fucking juicy fruit. (laughs) (laughs) So then I look closer at the label, and it's a blend of six juices. Uh, And now, because you care, and because you pity my pain, I'm going to tell you, in order, on the ingredients label, what those (laughs) six juices were. 
Number one, apple. Yep. Number two, grape. Mm-hmm. Number three, plum. Mm. Plum. I like plums. Number four, pear. Mm. Let's get mm-hmm. some sand mm-hmm. apple juice in there. <laughs> and then number five is cranberry, and number six is pomegranate. So it's just a fruit juice cocktail of sugar that barely tastes like cranberry or pomegranate. And, and, and so I'm just, tell us again what the name, the f- full name. Ocean Spray Cranberry Pomegranate 100% <laughs> Juice. <laughs> and of course, the, all the juices are from concentrate. So each right. ingredient yes. is parenthetically concentrated in water. But like, Those it deceptive just, assholes. It, it, it tastes like sugar drink. Like it tastes like I bought purple drink. <laughs> and I'm just so I was say, mad because you could mix that with some vodka. It might taste pretty good. I'm sure it would, but like, <laughs> I also feel the sugar coursing through me as I drink it. Um, I wanted like tart, almost too tart. Yeah. You know, pomegranate juice and just, oh my God. So of course I should have gone and gotten the glass bottle of the, the German name right. you can't quite pronounce. Like, I know that's the right answer, but I couldn't that's, find that. It's like whatever, $14 yeah. for well, yeah, that too. So uh, my, my big announcement here is. Fuck you, Ocean Spray. No kidding. <laughs> uh, and then my second announcement is um, next month I'm starting a new job in Boston. <laughs> it was so funny because when you told us, I was like, no, that's about right on Bobby's timeline every couple of years. He's got to move to a the, different state. I think it's the third time on this show I've said I'm starting a new job in Boston. <laughs> oh, so yeah, man. I got that two and a half year itch. Um, uh, you know, we've been in this, we, I've been in this apartment for like eight months now, so I have to. Oh my god! To, to, I have to get out of here. <laughs> uh, no, um, all right. So here's here's the real news. Um, I uh, I hit my two year anniversary at the Albany Symphony in the spring. Um, I've told many of you uh, on the show and off the show um, that that my goal was to get back to an executive director position eventually either at an orchestra somewhere or in some adjacent field. And so I, I've had an eye open for a little while now. And and I also was considering, you know, jumping to another sector, trying something else. Um, But um, you know, one of the other things that's been a real burden for us is uh, you guys know that I love commuting. You do. (laughs) Um, Sam does not. Mm. (laughs) And Sam has been commuting to Boston three days a week, uh, which is two and a half hours away from here. Uh, for the entire time that I've been working here, she's been going out and staying at her mom's house midweek and working at Boston Children's uh, for for three days and then coming back. I always like to joke that she must love, you know, getting time away from me. But believe it or not, she doesn't. <laughs> we actually like spending time together. Huh. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I think I've told this joke on the show before. I, I learned this joke from an, an old, old, old guy I used to um, work with many, many years ago. He would say that the secret to a successful marriage is going out twice a week. So I go on Tuesdays and she goes on Thursdays. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, I, you know, when I was commuting all those years, I didn't mind it because it was productive time for me, especially when I was flying. Sal. And yeah. And Sal, the bartender. Yeah. So like I... I had it kind of figured out, but Sam's been driving. It's a grind. Her time in Boston is hard because her mom's house is like all the way across the city from her work. And um, we just, we needed a change there. And um, somewhat unexpectedly, actually, while I was sort of 
figuring out some other opportunities. Uh, an executive director job opened up with an organization that I've known for a long time. It's a little bit different than orchestra, but it's back to my chorus roots. Uh, it's a group called Blue Heron, and it's a vocal ensemble in Boston, professional singers specializing in early music. So Renaissance era music, uh, it's sort of predating most of the stuff that gets performed regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, not and, exactly Hildegard von Bingen, but yeah, not far. Not far. And, um, and it's done to a really high, really precise level with like a lot of techniques that aren't in common practice anymore. It's um, historically informed is the way we would say in the mm. business for that. Are we talking lots and, of motets? Yeah. And, and it's interesting because uh, the new music people and the early music people really get along because they share a love for hard and obscure things. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought to myself, if I can do it in new music, I can do it in early music. And I, I applied and... Boston's a small music world, so I kind of knew some of the people already, and um, I just I had a, a sort of pre-interview last week, and then an, another interview in person. I drove out to Boston on Monday for a long conversation with with a few people, and by the time I got home, actually before I'd even come back all the way to Albany, I had the offer Monday night and uh, accepted it and uh, signed off on everything. And uh, as it happens, Albany Symphony had a board meeting on Tuesday. <laughs> Bye. So I didn't even I didn't even really get a chance to call all the people I should have called because uh, you know we just broke the news to. Well, this all is of my just Albany efficiency, exactly. Yeah. I feel bad because I've I've got so many like I've made a lot of friends in two years here. Yeah, and uh, some of them you know are going to have to hear secondhand, but it's okay. Um, I'm not uh, I'm not leaving on bad terms or anything. I'm I'm uh, doing everything. I'm here for another month. Um, we've got a big festival weekend coming up and I'm helping out to make sure we get through that. I didn't want to leave everybody right before it, but, uh, mid October, uh, we'll be going back. And, and the real magic is, uh, on top of the fact that I'm really excited about the job and I'm going to be the boss again, you know, um, my office is going to be about eight minutes from Sam's primary practice. Oh, um, theoretically you could have lunch together. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And also like, my job's pretty flexible. I can work from home a lot. Um, sure. They don't really care if I go into the office or not. But um, the fact that we can find a place to live that sort of works between her practices and I can get to work and we can be home every night. Yeah. And, like have like a normal life. Everybody's <laughs> job is in Boston. Yeah. We're going to both work in Boston. We're going to live in Boston or you know, somewhere in the suburbs. I, I think we're not going to live in the shitty uh, college neighborhood again like we did no. during COVID. No. Um, we did all work in the same city for a few months there in Boston, but that was when it was the middle of COVID and I was working that uh, part-time job I took just to keep busy. And Sam was miserable going into the hospital in the middle of COVID restrictions. And, yeah. And I was um, making her, you know, scrub down in the hall before she came back in every day. Oh my God. So. What a time. Um, the good news is also I... I know this is the thing you're the most excited about. This is the real good news <laughs> in all of this, Bobby. <laughs> I am going to Boston, to Boston for Christmas, so we can go meet at a Dunks somewhere. I'm going to maybe want to um, escape the family festivities. I love my in-laws, but I might want to take a break. Oh, we're Bobby. Gonna, we're going to go to the forest and get blitzed. <gasps> That's what we're going to do. Yes, we're going to the forest. I'm so excited. <laughs> That rules. So, I can't wait. Uh, yeah. Uh, Boston bound here. Um, of course, it's not the place where we own a house, but at this point, I'll take what I can get. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, One step at a time. 
so yes, uh, Boston, Boston's friends in Boston, you, you may be hearing it here first. And if you are, I apologize, but I'm coming home uh, to Boston and I'm really excited about it. And I'll, I'll, Albany will be in my heart. We'll come back and visit and I'll probably keep some tickets to some concerts out here. But um, yeah, it's going to be a good transition for me and for Sam. I think um, you'll be all shocked to know that I enjoy being the... Um, the top boss. <laughs> really? Mm. No, I love my boss in Albany. I really, really do. And she knows it. But um, I, I miss being in charge. <laughs> so. I want to call the shots. Kind of. Yeah. Like, uh, it just, uh, I don't know. I'm not good at a lot of things. I'm really good at being in charge. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> well, get back let's to just say shirt. this is this is one of the least surprising things I've heard this month. Yes. yes. <laughs> and, uh and we were counting up the number of apartments that I've lived oh, in in the last 10 years oh the other day. And uh, this, I will, this will be like our ninth move since we got married or something. So just ridiculous. But I mean, when I started yeah, on I, LRB, you were in Pawtucket. Pawtucket. I was just going to say the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> You've gone. And God, I wish we still owned that house because it's worth like four times what we paid. I was Ooh, thinking boy. that today. I was like, I mean, even though that would be a bitch of a commute for y'all every day, um, that would be nice if you had that place. We paid... $137,000 for that three bed, one bath cape with a dining room and a yard and parking. Damn. And... <sighs> oh, well. A lack of lass. Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah. Well, I'm excited for my own selfish reasons and for you guys. Thanks. I'm not excited about your move as per uh, previously mentioned that I don't like chaos, but. I know you can get through it. I trust in that. You have experience in moving. I'm a great mover. And this apartment is not particularly large. so And you moved recently. Um, so it's like you've already kind of right. gone through it. Yeah. And I'm going to throw a bunch more stuff out this time. Yeah. Because um, as I was saying before we started recording, when you buy flat pack and Ikea furniture for things, you can only disassemble it and reassemble it so many times before it's just not yeah. practical anymore. Yeah. Um, so, uh, this apartment has a dumpster behind it and I'm going to use it on our way out. <laughs> the only thing that really makes me want to cry is the thought of packing my books oh, again. And, and let's yeah. like, I don't have that many books, but I don't get rid of books yeah. because that's the kind of person I am. So I have like textbooks from, co- not all of them. I got rid of the ones that aren't relevant, but the ones that I liked and the ones that were about like math and statistics and English and all all my, all my majors. All the cool I stuff. Kept all of, yeah, I kept all of that stuff. And that's daunting to move books. Yeah, it is. And they yeah. are a lot more than you think they're. You're like, I don't have that many. It's not that bad. And they're, and they're mm-hmm. so fucking heavy, too. Even a bunch of paperbacks are heavy. Yep. Even though I'm pretty much totally switched to ebooks, yeah. and the only <laughs> the only hard copy of a book that I bought was Sahara <laughs> recently because I couldn't find it not in Spanish. I also have a paperback that I of Sahara that I bought from a used book online retailer. Oh my god! Um, all right, in lighter news or heavier, I don't know which. Uh, Anne, I assume this is for you. From you. Why, why ever would you say that? I don't Hillary? know. I don't know. I just I assume. I know. <laughs> um, and, I would hope. Will you build me a gingerbread apartment, please? <laughs> it needs to be on 128 in the Metro West region of, of Massachusetts. Hmm. Well, the great thing about it is that my gingerbread houses are relatively portable. So I'll construct it here <laughs> and then we'll bring it there. 
I and I the actual gingerbread itself. There's no way that's gonna break, but I do worry a little about the icing. Yeah. So sure, I yeah. don't know. Sure. Maybe we'll have to actually use cement for your apartment. <laughs> <laughs> gingerbread brutalism. <laughs> Um, this isn't, I mean, this is the smallest of small talk, but uh, I put tis the season for baking because I'm starting to actually get the urge. Like, I haven't baked much in a long time. Really not going into the office yeah. anymore took it out of me because, I don't know, I, I don't want a whole pan of brownies sitting around every week. From, I mean, I do. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I don't. Yes. Right. So, and and I was ready for a break from all of that this thinking and the planning and the buying and the time sink. And so, so I made cupcakes for Matt's party this summer. Um, and that was fine. And then I got a weird itch last week. Not that kind of weird itch, like a weird itch in my brain, uh, <laughs> to bake something. And so I made apple dumplings Ooh. from Smitten Kitchen and I wasn't sure, but Oh my God, you guys, they were so good. Ooh. They were so good. They were just like teeny little apple pies that fit in your hand. And it made me want to start baking again. And so I was looking at more recipes. And I think I'm going to... Are plums still in season? I hope they are. Because I want to make plum cream scones. No, no, no. <gasps> plum cream cobbler? Ocean spray yeah. taken them all to make <laughs> That's true. No, I think it's a cobbler. For all the difference that makes, I think I think the cobbler part is actually a scone recipe. So, whatever. But I don't know. I feel I feel something stirring within me, guys. I'm excited. It's right. I mean, the air is getting crisper. It's time. It's time to bake. It's time to turn the oven back on. That's true. That may be a large part of that. Yeah. It was like 67 degrees here Ooh. today for the high. It felt so. I'm sorry, Hillary. Well, it, it felt was so good. 80. Five today was the high, and listen, well, I will take it. I'll fucking take it. Yeah. I'm like, this is ooh, this feels great. I was walk- I didn't sweat when I walked the dog. I was like, I'm, this is I'm in heaven right now. It's humid as hell, but you know what? Listen, I can take. I'll take what I can get. It was 110 on Saturday, so 85 sounds awesome. In Texas, do you just sort of live with being sticky all the time? You know, it was almost like so hot this summer that like I almost like stopped sweating at some points because it was just you just felt like you were frying. Like it was a not a sweat. It was just a bake kind of hmm. deal. The one positive and I listen, I would this summer was horrific. I hate it. I, I got like sad, like, you know, capital S.A.D., like seasonal affective disorder from the heat. Like every day it was just like, fuck, I guess we're doing this again. The one good aspect of it. I didn't get by one mosquito all summer. I was like, was it too hot oh. that there were no mosquitoes? There were none. I never got bit. I don't know. Maybe it was the cold this winter. I don't know. But no. no. That is a silver lining. I, know. I was going to say, we should do a global warming edition of Silver Linings Plague Book. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was. I it realized it too. Like, I wasn't enjoying it. I wasn't celebrating it until I realized towards the end. I was like, hey, wait a second. And I get bit pretty. Pr- and my kids get bit. That's really the like... Bella, like they get bit so much and they're so gross that they just scratch them all the time, even though I'm like, stop scratching, stop scratching. Um, I'm such a nice mom. How can you not scratch? I know. Honestly, I know. all the lotion in the world oh. cannot <sighs> stop the terrorism of mosquito itches. Oh, and then when you get it and you get it just right and you're like, oh, it feels so good. 
because it's just mm-hmm. like giving it and then you're like I shouldn't be doing this but it feels so good like a mosquito bite on the There's back of the hand you oh. there there is no reality oh. in which that is not going to be scratched no. I know you're like it's right Tyrannus. here Nope. You just got to press the X into it and then put it out of your mind. Oh, no. Everyone knows that. I can't. Well, yeah, I'm... well, my tender, juicy, luscious skin <laughs> is so <laughs> tempting for mosquitoes. And my mosquito bites swell up oh. like crazy. Oh, I'm worst. so sensitive to mosquito venom or whatever. Yeah, it's, I'm sure it's not venom, but like it, they're huge. They're like inch across. Oh. Just like welts wow. on your welts all yes, over. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I hate it. So that's much. that's why like I flatly refuse to participate in our family garden <laughs> after a while in my parents' house when the when my dad would be like, "Go pick some beans for dinner," and I'm like, "Absolutely not! Those little motherfuckers are hiding in there." And the instant like, "Go get them yourself. You weigh one forty five, and you're nothing but like leather and gristle." They don't want you. You go out there and pick the beans. I'm luscious. They want me. (laughs) The mosquitoes want this fat ass. (laughs) All right. We'll see you next week, everybody. (laughs) I would make that the show title, but (laughs) Um, I have that and fuck you, Ocean Spray, but I don't know if that's going to pass the test. Um, well, on that note, what Eric, test? <laughs> I don't what, know. what podcast police do we have to satisfy? It's true. It's true. The family police. I don't know. No. Um, well, I'll think about it. All right. And do you want to take it? Take us into the mailbag. Oh yeah, I did put myself for mailbag. You did. Uh, so let's talk about last week's question of the week, which: What is the strangest thing YouTube recommends to you? Uh, let, uh, let's see here. So Kristen says, Hope Scope, which Hillary mentioned, and my daughter and I watch together, and she's actually pretty fun. But my daughter uses my account. Does this sound familiar, Hillary? Yeah. And yes. she's apparently into these videos where people do weird stuff with makeup. I guess it's called illusion makeup, where people give themselves third eyes and stuff. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, there's some my, weird shit my, there. The question is, why? Why would you give yourself a third eye? No idea. Well, I don't know. Like borderline cosplaying or something? Or I, maybe. Just... Maybe. Maybe they're practicing for when they get to be makeup artists on a like sci-fi TV show or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Amy says, NCLEX study tips. I haven't searched anything on YouTube about that since 2018. I don't have to pass that test twice, so it seems super strange that it still gets served to me when <laughs> I am mostly on lo-fi and internet drama. Oh. Well... I don't know. Did you tell Google that you passed, Amy? Yeah. Does maybe. it know? Maybe Google like how to frame my certificate in this. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Just to let it know. Um, Anne says, honestly, it never stops making sense. Yoga, make blank, stop hurting, usually feet. <laughs> Dance performances, great sports moments, knitting and crochet techniques. All of that pencils out. I did recently discover that a video on my store channel has 50,000 views. That was a head scratcher. Huh. Man. Send us the maybe, video. Maybe your store video is the head scratcher for other people. That they're like, why am I getting recommended this video from this knitting store? Hmm. I mean, technically, it's a yarn store. Yep. I'm sorry. It's not just. It's How all dare. the fiber arts. <laughs> and, ugh. <laughs> 
I think that thing about make usually feet stop hurting. Yes. I hear that from yes. from my retail days. Ooh, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, there's uh, the amount of stuff that it, like actually I feel like I've just started in this like the home fix it kind of YouTube. I mean, that's a big part of YouTube. That's like dad YouTube. Yep. It's like, how do I fix yep. this? Whatever. X, Y, Z thing. So I don't have to call. And yet somebody. it's so unhelpful yeah. because it's never exactly quite what I need. No. And sometimes I like, I use Adobe suite a fair amount, mostly in design and um, Photoshop and you know, all those. And a lot of times I'd be like, I know that there's a way to do this. and I don't know exactly how to do it. And so I'll kind of Google it and it sends me to some 15 minute YouTube. And I'm like, I don't want to yep. watch this. I don't yep. have time for this. Yep. Just list it out for me. I can follow directions. We have, it has to be no longer than a pop song, three minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> That's all that I can take. Yep. I'm not clicking on that yep. video. If yep. it's any longer than that for yep. a how to for a, a tech thing. Yep. Exactly. Keep it uh, snappy. On. Carolyn. It's 50,001 yeah. now, by the way. I found that. Ooh. <laughs> Carolyn says, this is one of those things that is super specific and is partially because I speak English. I do a lot of fiber arts, knitting, braiding, weaving, beading, but I do not crochet. I can't do a search for anything regarding my interests without getting a whole bunch of crochet videos. And I get a lot of suggestions for them, even though I hide and ignore the suggestions. The reason it happens is that in many languages, there are no separate words for knitting and crochet. But I think the algorithm should be smart enough to make that distinction for searches in English. Hmm. I confess I have wondered many times what exactly is the difference between <laughs> crochet and knitting. Except knitting the, is the, the answer's two gonna come. needles. Don't at me. I don't really care that much. But I'm just saying that I've wondered. Uh, I mean, for for the finished product. I mean, like it's a blanket. Or a scarf or a sweater. You can make them by knitting. You can make them by crocheting. What's the big difference? Um, oh, there's a big difference. <laughs> now I've oh, made I'm both Anne and Carolyn mad. Yeah. <laughs> Anne's next viral video is going to be explaining the difference to you. Fuck um, you, Anne. When I read th- it's okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, mostly. When I, when I read this, I, I paused and I, I heard in Paul Giamatti's voice from Sideways, I heard, I will not do any fucking crochet. <laughs> I don't know why. I just, just was so adamant. Like, I do all these things, but I don't crochet. Mm. Carolyn's got a line in the sand on crocheting. Yeah. Well, Carolyn makes beautiful things. Like, her beadwork is amazing. She teaches lots of workshops and all yeah. that stuff. But, I mean, I don't know. I guess I guess they the YouTube thinks that if you like one thing with string, you like them all with string, Carolyn. So, yeah. that's just how it goes. Yep. Um... Lane, Lane, is this the spirit of the question, Lane? (laughs) Uh, Lane says, absolutely nothing. Since I have my YouTube history turned off, I have every possible privacy setting on email, social media, websites, etc. set to avoid harvesting information or providing personalized suggestion. My feeble attempt to have some sort of online privacy. It's a little easier in California with CCPA, which I don't know what that stands for, but it must be either. Consumer right to privacy. Yeah, I bet so. Legislation. Yeah. Yep. Well, good for you, Lane. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, listen. 
it is helpful to have some search history on YouTube yeah. because it does help better find your interests. Um, but I very much take your point. I try to maintain a fairly low internet profile um, because I want them to have as little ammunition as possible. Uh, but that doesn't extend to this sort of total um, uh, total effort, I guess, that Lane has made to really knock down on that. I guess I'm sort of in the middle somewhere between just tossing my social security out oh, and being like Lane. So, like, we do what we can, right? Yeah, I know. It's just, it seems like... Um, with the uh, things that you know, like Chuck E. Cheese, the um, whack-a-mole, where it's like you try to get yep. one over here, and just another thing pops up. Yep. Well, we did have a thing that Chrome just recently changed a lot of those privacy settings. Yeah. And luckily, I read something about it in the Washington Post before the next time I opened my Chrome. So I was like, turn off, turn off, turn off. I knew exactly where to go. Yeah. To turn those off. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's all evil. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, yep. Uh, finally, Amy says, I don't go on YouTube much, but somehow my work email got on a list for chiropractors. <laughs> I constantly get chiropractor related emails, like continuing education <laughs> offers, etc. Oh, that's funny. You're like, how did I? What did I? Where am I on? Yeah, this? some some mailing list thinks that I work in IT. As in, I mean, technically, I have an IT branch position because of the data analysis and the tools that I use. But I'm not an IT person. Like, I don't manage the cloud. I don't work with servers or anything like that. So I get tons of stuff for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a pain in the ass. Yep. All right. All right. Well, so that was last week's question of the week. Thank you very much. I mean, it's less salacious than I was hoping for. I know. I want to hear guys. some really, really good ones. Go yep. into your history. I remembered, along with the videos of male ballerinas, ballerinos that I have been getting, somehow YouTube has decided that I want to see everything Simone Biles does, <laughs> which, listen... I mean. Impressive. I admire Simone Biles. She's a hell of an athlete, but I watch gymnastics exactly once every four years. <laughs> You're like, and I'm done. And now is not it. <laughs> yeah, there's sometimes where you're like, the, the Facebook one, like we talked about, is the one that I'm like, why do you think I keep wanting to see people's diets? I guess then sometimes I'll start watching them and then they're like, you like this? And I'm like, no, I'm just like kind of curious. But like, it's just because you're presenting it to me. So it's the sort of feedback loop that I'm getting. Yep. Um, but yeah. I even wonder, like sometimes when I'm scrolling, if I pause for a yes. minute on a video, yeah. does that count? And so. I'm not pausing because I'm watching the video. I'm pausing because I'm like leaning over to take a drink of my Diet Coke or something. I know. Sometimes I pause and I, it's just so I can like figure out what it is. I'm like confused as to what it is. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not interested in that. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Like right. get away from right. this. Yeah. Too late. They've got you. Yeah. They got you. They got you. You looked into the tiger pit. You were like, oh, what are these leaves covering? <laughs> no. Your inner, your inner creature did want to see that video. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> thing. Yeah. You can't lie to uh, AI. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's a terrible slogan. <laughs> that's so creepy uh, uh and uh speaking of uh, uh abusing you um <laughs> we're gonna go to medium talk 
this is the Tishi is free labor edition of uh, Medium Talk. It's internship time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this came up for a couple of different reasons. I think we were doing some reminiscing in general and then also uh, at work. Uh, where I still currently work, uh, I recently hired uh, an intern for the fall semester, um, who's been great. If for any reason you ever end up hearing this, uh, Skylar, hey, thanks for all the help. Um, and uh, it just sort of got me thinking about my internship experiences. And I asked because I don't know, you know, a lot of people don't end up doing internships, but of course we're tryhards, and so we all have had some experience with this. And I just thought it might be interesting to trade notes because uh, you know you've got paid versus unpaid different types of uh, investment and also I think different points in our career trajectories and education trajectories. And uh, I think we should just go left to right uh, because that also these build by the number of experiences we've had <laughs> from left to right. Uh, and uh, yeah. tell us about your, your sole internship uh, experience. Well, I want to answer a question first, discuss a question first, which I think will inform whether I add anything else to this, is that what's the definition of an internship? What's the difference between an internship and a job? I mean, I always thought... It's a temporary position. Yeah, temporary. Yeah, the temporariness. Yeah. yeah. It's a Um, finite length. I mean, back when I did it, yeah, it was about the time, and spoiler, all of mine were unpaid. So... Um, I don't know if that I I coupled it in my head with being unpaid that you're just like getting I mean I guess I got college credit for some stuff but it was like something I could put on my resume and but I did not get paid for it and it was a short term thing so I don't know because I, mine was mine was an internship called an internship but it was paid and now there paid? is a movement to pay interns yeah. was it paid at market rate or was it sort of an honorarium of pay like, no, I got it? a wage. Okay. So I feel like that's starting to become a little bit more of the norm now. All of the internships are more than are, a little bit. Yeah, or all this I don't think that they really do it unless it was like the entertainment industry where it's sort of all like under the table ish. I feel like now it's just which is good because I mean that's the thing that we should talk about a little bit is that I was very lucky to do an internship for internships that were not paid. Um but that's because I'm extremely privileged and I was able to do that. You know, it, it, it opened doors for me because I, my parents could support me in that way. And a lot of people can't in an unpaid position. So it is good. I'm glad that that's turning because it was just like, okay, upper middle-class white kid, like, here you go. You Mm -hmm. can, you know, have all the experience and all the doors open, meet all the people get adjusted in a young age to whatever, um, you know, customs there are in this particular business you want to be in. Um, and it just, it does open doors, even though you are on the bottom rung or doing kind of drudgery. Um, I, but anyway, yes, I'm glad that that's kind of turned because it, it sucks. Yeah. Well, cause here's my thinking. I was a teaching assistant, both as an undergrad and a graduate student. And those, that's a finite term. Yeah. yeah. But is that there's an expectation s- that you move on? Is that like just a school job, though? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. What's the difference yeah. between a job and an internship? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, I almost that almost would be an internship, but I didn't right? even think to put my work study job on here. Yeah, you know, 
Well, I, I mean, will say maybe job was calling alumni. That was not. That was. I just needed <laughs> free pizza. Well, but like I was an assistant to a choral conductor. Where did that get me? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, maybe with an internship, there is an expectation of skill building. Yeah. Towards yes. a career, yes. whereas with a job, there isn't necessarily. Have either of you hired interns? Uh, yes. I have been on search panels, so yeah. I was never the one who was directly supervising the intern, but I was involved in decision-making. I make a very specific point of setting expectations for education at the beginning of an internship term and having check-ins for that, so that I, I basically tell intern candidates, and especially after we pick an intern, because I do supervise interns, like when you leave in 10 weeks or 12 weeks or whatever or six months or whatever the term is, you're going to leave with these skills on your resume unless things change because we skew you somewhere else because you want to, and that's going to be flexible. But like you're here to learn and do work, but to learn. And the pay thing is interesting because I've had a lot of unpaid internships at Viva through the years. Some of them were for school credit and some of them weren't, but now I really make a point of trying to pay my interns because I was a poor kid who couldn't take unpaid internships in college because I couldn't afford to. Yep. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's an access thing. Well, it's interesting. I'm starting to think maybe that there are companies out there that use the term internship a little bit too loosely. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. When they just want cheap labor. Yeah. Well, and that's like, um, I know in finance, it's like summer associates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because in law firms, it's the same way. I don't think they call them interns. They're, right. yeah, summer associates. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> um, well, Anne, tell us about the one that you firmly put in the internal All right. category. I f- let's let's talk nepotism. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> it's about time. White, Hillary's white got people who you know connections. You know, Hillary's has the privilege working for her to yes. be able to take un- unpaid internships. I just got a paid internship through my dad. <laughs> well, hey, listen, use it. And I don't even know how it all arose, but so my dad worked for the Unisys Corporation for 40 years. It went by a number of different names during that time, but Unisys Corporation, and there was a computer technology company who did like uh, primarily like big mainframe computer systems was their bread and butter back in the day. Not much of anything is their bread and butter these days. I, I think they're a very diminished and very changed company. But so like they, their um, machines used to run like the NASDAQ and um, Delta used to they the ones use. They printed out all those ticker tapes? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like lots of things with complicated reservation systems. Like I know a lot of airlines, a lot of cruise ships kind of. Uh, worked with their stuff. Um, but then we went to, to the personal computer route and the cloud computing route, and it changed. But back in the 90s, we weren't there yet. And so my dad arranged for me to have an internship with a technical writing group because I certainly wasn't qualified to actually work with the technology, but I, being an English major, could do some writing. So I interned all three years um, between... College years, all three summers, like I should, should say, between my college years uh, in the technical writing group. And I don't know that I learned anything that has helped me in my career other than 
about the realities of cubicle life, which I suppose is a valid thing. Yeah. But um, the, the first summer I worked there, it was not that long. I would say this was the summer of 96. It wasn't that long that we'd been having CD-ROMs with like documentation on. So like the manuals for all this software was for the first time in a digital form. And um, when I came on, they were just starting the process of making it interactable. So with hyperlinks that you could click on and go to the next, you know, segment, segment or whatever. And so I worked that entire summer, like coding hyperlinks and making sure that things went to the right places and that things were um, adequately and correctly formatted, and it sounds great, doesn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. Like, super cool. But And I even remember the name of the product. It was called I-18N, which stood for Internationalization, which I think is, there's 18 letters before the I and the N, maybe, between the I and the N. Um, but it was all about, like, um, adapting software for use in other languages, Oh. Which, you know, what, yeah, right? That's the thing that we don't think about yeah. until one has to work with it. And it was great because the technical writer who uh, had charge of the project liked to work nights. And by nights, I mean she liked to work through the middle of the night. Oh, so during the day, I would just come in and sit in her cubicle and just do the thing. Wow. And you that's were, mostly you were hot what I desking did. long before that was a thing. I was. I mean, I had my own cubicle, but... Um, we did not have the software license for me or any other, yeah. like this was the first attempt sure. at doing anything like this. So, and for someone who is anal retentive and extremely organized, it was strangely satisfying. Yeah. I can see and that. And that was the, that was the summer I listened to a lot of Howard Stern, like my flirtation with the Stern show. Because I needed, I needed a lot of stuff to listen to. Impressive. While I was the life will do that. doing that, yeah, I, yep. I you get kind of desperate. Rome for the same reason, I, you know. And my mine was the same summer. We were listening to it at the same time because I took a, I was going in summer of '96. I was going to my senior year of high school, and I, for whatever reason, I didn't want to take science my senior year. Like I was like, I just want to get it done with, and I had to take physics, and I had to take it. The only place I offered it was Plano, which was about. I don't know, 20 miles north of my parents. So Missy and I would drive every day up to Plano. We listened to Howard Stern. The whole, we loved it. We thought it, we would like be peeling over in laughter. That was my first like yep. foray into uh, Stern. Yeah. I don't know. I remember thinking back then, like he was obviously so smart, yes. so so bright, that when he was so vulgar, he was doing it on purpose. Yeah, it was like in jest. Like he knew what he was doing. Yeah, but yeah. I remember also thinking, that's fine, but there are a lot of people out there who don't realize that, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they think it's all for serious, and I didn't like that. I know. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't last too long with Howard, because that was really a lot of still, like, strippers in the studio. Mm -hmm. Like, I learned what, what a queef was that summer <laughs> from Howard. <laughs> Bobby saying let's absolutely this, nothing. Let's get, no, no, let's get all this out of our system before <laughs> I start my new job. So like, they probably won't go back three weeks. It's fine. Oh my god. 
He replayed when his the, the tapes from his dad, like his dad yelling at him or whatever, and I, like his dad calling him an idiot, and it's so mean. But I would like I would laugh, and when he they made fun of that's the thing I didn't really like when they did the stripper talk or whatever. It was like when they made fun of Gary was like that's when I laughed the most. Uh, uh, well, those were the days, yes, but were. there was like. Uh, like I didn't go through the traditional intern program because it was mostly, I mean, because nepotism. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was mostly like computer engineering, computer science majors that would do that. So there was a whole cohort of like two dozen interns at the company who were in that program and they eventually did find me somehow. And then we went out to lunch Every once a week, I think it was, all the interns went out to lunch together. And so I have memories of this, like, I don't even remember his name, but I remember he drove a green Eagle Talon. And we, I mean, good God, are there any Eagle Talons left on the road? (laughs) I don't know. But (laughs) when we were driving to Godfather's Pizza, my forehead was pressed against the windshield. (laughs) That thing was so small on the inside. But I was never very comfortable with any of them. Like, they all seemed older and more self-assured. And a lot of them weren't from the area. Like, they came and were staying in summer housing. And I was just, you know, living at home with my parents. And so I didn't really feel like I belonged. But then the second summer I worked there, they were converting to a new, like, business word processing thing uh, program. And all the technical writers who had charge of a book or their books, they were responsible for running it through that process to update it to the new software. But then there were a lot of other books that were like in the in the end stage, they weren't being updated anymore. And I got all those books, like dozens of books. And they said, you'd convert them to Interleaf, the new software so that we have them on the current software. And some of them were so old, I had to like convert them to the old, old software and then the old software and then the new software. <laughs> So, like, sounds great, doesn't it? And then my third summer, they actually gave me my own book to write. And I had no idea what to do. (laughs) Um, But I did my best. I think that was the summer I read The Fountainhead. (laughs) Because I have a memory of trying to get through that at lunch in my cubicle. God. But uh, yeah, so that was my major internship experience. And I guess, it, it, like I said, it was the thing that gave me the taste of what being in the real life working world would be like for me working in, you know, a, as long as you're going to be in like white, a white collar yeah. cubicle business position like that. That was how it was going to go. And, you know, I would say... That worked out to be pretty true. I got a pretty good grounding in how that was all going to work. So, it's good. I guess I guess it was valuable for for that. <sighs> uh, um, what was I going to ask? I had something I was going to ask, and then I got distracted looking for a picture of a green eagle talon, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I did, and it's great. Um, so, you know, that paid three years. I mean, you, you mentioned that you only had one thing to put on the list, but you did it three times. So I think I that's did. 
Yeah. Fair. Oh, I know what I want to ask. Can I get a copy of the book you wrote? Because it would be great to have you autograph it for me. I can put it on my shelf. <laughs> I, I don't believe that's that's my IP. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I shudder. I shudder. Oh. I had so little understanding of that product. <laughs> It's like when I first started driving and I was just like doing what they had told me to do, but I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I'm like, I don't really know what I'm doing right now. I'm just doing what you told me to. Yeah, I always remember learning to parallel park and they were like, turn the wheel this way. And then you turn the wheel, you know, pull up level with the car in front and then turn the wheel this way. And I was like, okay, I guess that, but I didn't have the physics of it worked out in my head until later along. Yep. Yep. Well, they're just teaching you the test. Got schools yep. these days. <laughs> so, speaking of school, why don't I talk about how I got out of school senior year? Ooh. Uh, basically. So, uh, senior year of high school. So, that would be 2003, 2004 for me because uh, I'm the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I had finished pretty much all the high school classes that I needed. Um, not so much because I was smart, but because my friends were really smart. My high school girlfriend was like really smart, like way smarter than me. Uh, but to keep up, like I took a bunch of AP classes junior year. And so uh, by senior year, I had like just a couple of things I needed. And if I didn't figure out a way to get off campus, I was going to be stuck in just either, just maybe, probably just a bunch of study halls. No. Um, DECA. I could take yeah. some DECA classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so what I did is I finagled uh, an internship at the Webster Post, uh, which is n- one of what was two newspapers in my hometown of Webster, New York. What? When I was a kid. Yes. A town, a, a village and a city, or v- rather, excuse me, a village and a town of cumulatively about thirty-five to 40,000 people when I was in high school had two weekly newspapers wow. competing. The Webster Post, which was an outpost of a series of, like, regional newspapers, and a lot of towns had a a post. Um, And then the Webster Herald, which was over 100 years old and was a one-off, still being printed in the back garage of its storefront. Wow. Yeah, and the Webster Herald used to print my high school newspaper, of which, of course, I was the editor. Of course you were. The funny thing is, my middle school had a newspaper. And I applied to be on the middle school newspaper staff and was turned down. Because you weren't popular I like, enough? I was like, fuck you guys. And then, yeah, I went and ran my high school newspaper for three years. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Webster Post was my internship that got me off campus uh, like more than half of my days uh, in the fall semester of my senior year. Uh, in February of my senior year, I would end up having my heart surgery and then that kept me off campus just because I could do whatever I wanted. Um, I had a nice little note from my cardiologist after that. I told him, I said, they're not going to, they're going to make me go back to school unless I have a doctor's note. And he literally took a prescription pad and wrote no school until further notice and signed it and just handed it to me. Do you have that? Awesome. I wish I did. I don't know. My mom might have that. I want to see that. I want to frame that. (laughs) Uh, yeah, just, I'm done. See you guys. <laughs> Bye. Uh, and I basically did. I did nothing my senior year and they still, you know, uh, they, I, I walked like, they, I don't, I don't think they looked at me and they were like, you owe us six months of gym. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever. 
Uh, and I actually think I remember at one point they were going to make me write some essays about sports or something Fine. to make up for all the gym I missed. And then I think they finally just forget it. Just get the kid out of here. Um, you'll be surprised. It was not nepotism and it's not because I was rich. It's because I was a nuisance. Which is I my, can believe that. My number one skill. So the Webster Post had an office right downtown the village of Webster, not far from where I grew up. And I would just go in there because I like newspapers. And I would just pester these poor people. There was a woman who was the reporter, <laughs> the only reporter <laughs> the for this reporter. local newspaper. And then there was a woman who was everything else in the office. She was the woman who was like taking obits oh. over the phone, taking oh. marriage announcements, selling advertising. Or like classified ads. You know, the central office for all the papers would do most of the display ad sales. They did the design for the paper. So all they really had was this storefront with two, like three desks in it. And one had dust on it because it was never used. And I basically said, can I be your intern? And they looked at the empty desk and thought, yeah, why not? (laughs) Um, And they were, you know, uh, there was no structure. It was unpaid. Nobody wrote anything down, but I had a car and I didn't have to be at school as long as I was at my internship. And so I was, quote unquote, at my internship a whole lot more than I was at my internship. And the reason I I can remember that so clearly is I I only got one or two bylines in the Webster Post my entire senior year because I wasn't actually doing anything. I was just hanging out, like dicking around, (laughs) doing office work and just like chilling. Um, the first credit I ever got in the Webster Post was actually a photo credit because the office was right next to a little park in the village. And I saw the village, like the guys who work, like the the, the the general services crew for the village was assembling a teepee for some holiday festivity, which in hindsight was thoroughly you know, offensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it had fallen over because these two idiots, and I knew them because like, there were guys who graduated from high school a couple of years before me and God bless them, never left working for the village Webster. Um, you know, this, this teepee had toppled over and I was like, ha ha ha, toppled teepee. And I went into the office and I was like, ha ha ha, there's a toppled teepee. And the reporter whose name I can't remember, it'll come back to me. She was like, you know, we have a nice camera, like, like a first generation, uh, SLR. She handed it to me. She's like, go, go get a picture of it. And I did. And it ran in the papers, toppled teepee. Ooh. And I had a photo credit. I don't have that either. I should go find that. Um, and that was it. So I, I learned how to like not want to be a small town journalist. <laughs> like I learned how to not want to live in a town like Webster covering school board meetings and cats and trees for a once a week newspaper. And of course, that newspaper no longer exists. Oh, of course not. Uh, I, I think it might exist as like an ad circular, mm-hmm. but it doesn't exist as a newspaper. There is nobody working in Webster. And I don't know if the Webster Herald's still around. I think it is actually. Uh, but just barely. And uh, yeah, my that was, so that was my unpaid internship experience, except that it got me out of so many hours of high school, um, which was amazing. And, and I've told before, most of my friends were older than me. Right. And so by senior year, I mean, my girlfriend, Emily, and her friends, I was you know, close enough with them, but like, I just needed to get away from there. And so that was my outlet. Uh, and then uh, I got another newspaper internship in college. Uh, so this would be the summer of 2007. Uh, and I was on the copy desk at the Buffalo News working nights because that's when copy desk works because you get right, to wait for everybody to right. write their shit before you can fix it. I, me- so I remember. I, worked- I think we've talked about this 
a little bit before. Yeah, and I worked yeah. 5 p.m. until 1 a.m. or whenever the newspaper was done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't get into it too, too much, except to say it was a summer internship. So it was five nights a week on a rotating schedule because, you know, the news never stops. Right. Um, except now in cities where they're not printing Saturday or Monday newspapers anymore. And um, I was paid, which was life-changing for me, even though I was making like half of the lowest possible base salary for an employee at the Buffalo News. Sure. I think I was making 400 bucks a week. And for me at that time, that was like money. Like that was that was paying for my gas. It was paying for all the pizza I could eat. Like, <laughs> I I mean, I, I was so, you know, so lucky to have it and also so glad to have it. And I would go in and work on these computers from the 80s on these like old screens that looked like I was working in DOS <laughs> and edit these stories. Uh, and uh, the only reason I left that internship is so I it was a summer term. And the the girl who was interning with me was not local. She had come to Buffalo for the summer for the internship. And so she left, but they were so short-staffed, they looked at me and they were like, can you stay on during school? And I was like, but yeah, at least part-time. They prorated my internship pay, and they kept me for six months. And then that's when the union said, he's got to go or you got to hire him. Right. They, mm-hmm. they were in a hiring freeze, quote unquote, hiring freeze. Always. Even even back then. And so they said they could not hire me. I will never forget that my desk editor, Milt Joffe, wrote a three page letter to the editor on a legal pad, handwritten about why they should hire me. Hmm. He gave it to oh. her and it didn't it didn't work because they said they couldn't like policy couldn't hire me. Right. Uh, but it was very moving that he did that. And the editor came over and my last night was my birthday (laughs) just the way it timed out happened to be that way and so we had birthday cake and goodbye cake and (laughs) yeah so my six months at the buffalo news and that is when i realized i wanted to work in print media and would never work in print media because that desk that desk years later was just dismantled there is no copy desk at the buffalo news anymore and you can tell when you read the paper there's no copy desk at the buffalo news anymore um yeah it was a dying art when i was there and it's completely gone now so um i probably wouldn't be in the music business if that hadn't happened to me i i would have taken you know i got headhunted out of college to work for like crappy weekly regional newspapers like come make twenty eight thousand dollars a year to live in some suburb of des moines (laughs) um and be the editor writer and also sell ads and maybe clean the bathrooms at the office and um you would have done a good job at it. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I, and I, and it's funny. I say this now. I didn't want to move every two years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ha, ha. Hey, come on. I did have that Viva job for a long time. Um, and so it's kind of what pushed me into music instead of journalism. Cause I was always on the fence and it was that experience that was like, no, there's just never going to be a job. Right. Um, yeah. And then I, I threw in just as a bonus, my first stint at the Buffalo Phil, um, was actually right before that Buffalo News internship. And um, I I got that job part-time, and I've told that story before, but like I was making like 10 or 11 bucks an hour uh, to be a marketing assistant. And I found out years later that everybody who worked there basically assumed I was an intern because I was so young. <laughs> oh, and, and, I would, and now I correct them. I was like, oh, no, no, no. I had a job. But now, <laughs> like, Ann, what you were saying is I easily could have just been an intern. I was yeah. making shit pay to do like make copies write 
boiler copy for things. Like I was doing intern work for intern pay, but I was very proud of the fact that I had earned a job, not an internship. Right. Um, okay. And I still have business cards from that first job somewhere because I was like, fuck, I have a title. I am marketing assistant. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hillary, you've also had media internships. Yes, I have. Well, okay. So I did say that mine were, you know, privileged. It was also, nepotism isn't really the right word for them, but it is sort of like I had a hook in. So I worked at... Uh, the summer between uh, sophomore and junior year before I, this is, not, this is going to sound worse and worse as I go, before I went to Europe to study abroad for the semester, <laughs> um, I, my, my mom. Like was, any good Rhodes Scholar. Exactly. Uh, my mother um, has a job, she's called a media escort, and she like works with authors when they come into town and takes them to whatever bookstores to sign books and then also to their media appearances. And she would go to the local um, ABC station, WFAA channel eight. And um, of course she is my mother. She is, if I'm a friendly person, my mom is like 10 times as friendly as I am. Like she knows everybody meets everybody connects with everybody. It's her like special charm. And so she had befriended all the people at channel eight and thought that maybe I wanted to intern there. And so she hooked me in and I interned at Good Morning Texas, <laughs> which ran <laughs> after uh, Good Morning America. Um, and it was fun. Now, like thinking about what I learned there, I, you know, at the, I wish I had probably taken it more seriously than I did. I think I was just like, this is fun. I mean, it wasn't like I did anything super serious. I think we, ha- we ran cables. We would hold the cables for the cameramen. We would kind of help set up different shots and you know it was just sort of like filling in wherever you can um and I think they liked me it's just as like I don't I think I just was like I'm gonna be friendly to everybody but I'm not sure if I was such a so much of a go-getter I remember they really they wanted us to write recaps of the different segments to post on the internet which was still so like um and no not that many people went to the channel eight website to check the segments but you know we had to write up and honestly when I write up um a T-sheet, you know, like when I'm having to post it and I write the little synopsis, I get like flashbacks to writing it. Like I get start getting like stressed out. Like, am I describing this well enough? Like, I don't know if I'm (laughs) I'm conveying it, Um, but it was fun. And there would be like, when I say minor, I mean like minor celebrities that would come through and I, I can't, I remember Selena's husband came and people were asking about Selena and he was like, she's been dead for five years at this point like I need to move on and I remember being like oh kind of scandalized by that and the only other one I remember getting really excited about I had to remind myself really quickly there was this band that came in and they performed and I was like I know they had like one popular song in the 80s that I knew and I was kind of like oh this is so cool and it's this the band The Outfield um, you know, and it was the only song that really like charted in the, uh, in the U S was your love. And it was like, I don't want to lose your love. Tonight. Oh, of course. We, we all know the outfield. <laughs> you um, don't know, you know, the outfield. I know. I had no idea that was the name of the band. Yeah. I like, I, in my head, I was like, it's a baseball thing. I know it's a baseball thing. <laughs> I'm maybe uh, it's I don't know. I don't know who I would have ascribed that song to. Yes. But there you go. And I, it was very exciting the day they came in. Anyway, it's sort of a corny internship. But um, what it did lead to was another, you know, I don't know if it was, it was a really fun internship. I, again, I don't really know if it helped me, like, 
in my career or anything, but um, when I worked there, Gary Cogill was the um, film critic for Channel 8, and he would come on, you know, talk. And do y'all ever notice this in local news? Anytime, uh, speaking of Owen Wilson, like if Owen Wilson was in a big movie and they were reviewing it, they'd be like, Dallas-born Owen Wilson. Like they always Uh have to kind of... They got to find the local connection. (laughs) Yes, always. Um, but Gary would come on and you always have to highlight some Texas-y thing, but Gary was awesome. He was such a nice guy. We really hit it off. Um, and so then I went and interned for him when I got back from European studies. So I interned for him in the winter of that year of 99. And, um, it was really fun though. It wasn't like I could like write his reviews for him, but I would go to a lot of movies and he would give me his free passes to things he didn't want to. I think I had to clean out the, um, the movie closet. Cause he was like, there's a lot of junk in here that we don't need. Just go through it. And this God, I remember this, this is so embarrassing. I remember like having a stack of the things that I judged. Like these are, nobody needs these. These aren't important movies. And he's looking through me. He's like, yeah, 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 this is junk. This is junk. And then one was giant. I just had never heard of it or seen it before. The one with James Dean and Elizabeth Taylor. And it's sure. in Texas. Like it's a Texas movie. And I was like, this is junk. He was like, this is a very important movie. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Um, but that was really, really fun. And, you know, had I had a different life, I, being a film critic was something I was really interested in. I Again, I don't really know that I learned so much, but it was kind of cool to be in the newsroom and seeing, you know, I don't know if it's like that anymore, but just seeing everything work. Um, and then, yes, yes, I had four internships, all unpaid. And in fact, my Channel 8 ones, I had to pay for parking. So it was negative paying wow. um, oh man i mean it was two dollars but i remember I, th- I think i was gonna take the train there and the train was two dollars so i was like eh, i'm just gonna drive um and uh, th- uh, before you move on to the next one i just do want to note i tell people this you know i swear too much at work yes i, oh, I yeah. need to work on it actually i really do i made it one of my goals last year my annual review to cuss less at work um i learned how to swear like that i mean growing up and growing up in like kitchens and catering because of my mom but also the buffalo news newsroom (laughs) Um, of course if if i had interned you know 20 years earlier it still would have been full of cigarette smoke (laughs) um and you could tell that that old building like you could still feel like the grime of of generations of smoke on the ceiling and on the walls and stuff and i i became very colorful with my swearing especially the f-bombs yeah uh, from my time at the Buffalo News newsroom. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. It's fun though. Uh, um, okay. And then quickly my two college internships, because again, I feel like I definitely got credit. I don't think I got credit for the channel eight ones, but I definitely got credit for these, but they were internships. So when I got back from European studies, um, I didn't have, um, I was like the last person in my pl- political science group to have chosen um, an internship. And they were like, you, you need to choose an internship. And I just, I was late. I don't, I just wasn't on top of it. So they said, okay, um, these are the ones that are left. And one was the Shelby County Republican party. And I remember calling my mom and saying, <laughs> I'm going to work at the Shelby County Republican party office. And she was like, do not, do not tell your grandmother. She will, this will kill her. You cannot tell her. I said, I won't. And I thought, well, maybe this is like oppo research or whatever. Yeah. And can't you like sabotage, do a bad yeah. job? <laughs> Honestly, it was so, you know, it was, so, this was right before this was 2000, the winter of like January of 2000. So uh, I, 
It's weird because this, it was... This poll says you should treat everyone with dignity. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I'm just the intern. It was weird because it was like, you know, I'm a white Southern girl. So they, of course, treated me kindly. And I, I didn't expose anything. Except that I think I said my grandfather worked for Johnson. And they were like, well, you're from Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the way it happens. I don't remember doing anything except stuffing like <laughs> mailers for the um, Lincoln dinner or whatever like the annual dinner that they would have i love that they're still claiming lincoln it's like oh well okay (laughs) in name only but whatever um and i've said this before the lady was she was always so nice to me she did let me smoke in the office we both smoked together so bobby i did have that experience of smoking in the office i was like this rules i love this here i love it here i don't believe any of their values but i love it and then I mean, that, that's a north south <laughs> thing, yeah. Because in, in Buffalo at that point, <laughs> we were not smoking in offices. Oh, in, Mem- in Memphis, they did not give a shit. Um, everybody was, you know, pretty, they were nice to me, and it was not super hard, and it wasn't that far from campus. So it was like, oh, this is just an easy little jaunt. And then I'm getting towards the end of it, and I think I had to keep a journal for my professor, like, so what we did today. This, And then, of course, because it's the south and it's a Republican party, by the end of it, a couple of N-words had been uh, dropped. And I was like, I don't Oof. know how to... Uh, and I remember... I mean, obviously, I didn't like... It's not like I said it. I just... But I remember asking my mom, you know, what do I do? Like, should I say something? And I just, you know... Now I would say something, obviously. Like, obviously, I would say something. And I wish I could go back and say something. But I'm like 21 years old, and I'm the intern. And I don't... I, you well, know. like we said at the beginning of all this, the lowest... Yeah. Yeah. Of the low yeah. on the totem pole. I just, I remember my mom saying, I think she was like, you know, Oprah says not saying anything is saying something. And I was like, I know. But I, anyway, I remember going to my professor and saying, I don't know what to do about this. Like, I think I was like, I think I want to quit. And he was like, no, don't quit. Just get to it and like make this sort of the, I don't know, part of your journaling process of like you learning that you really don't like this. Um and then my final the day one. I learned I don't like racists. <laughs> yeah. And here. By Hillary. By Hillary Livingston. <laughs> um, and then my final, final one, my um, senior year, I guess I decided to do another internship. And I entered this time. I was like, I'm going to make it better. I'm going to do one that I'm going to be on it. I'm going to get like the best one. And I worked for in the Memphis office for Harold Ford Jr., who was I've talked about. He was a congressman from Memphis. And he was this promising African-American guy. He was really young. He went to college, you know, he like maybe went to Harvard and then he went to Michigan Law School or whatever. Like he was just one of those guys that you're like, oh, he's going to go somewhere. I don't know. He seemed to have burned out. And honestly, like it kind of turned me off. Bobby, like you were saying, like, I I don't want to work. This shows me I don't really want to work in a newsroom. It really showed me I didn't want to work in politics, even though I believed in general in this guy's message. Working in a congressional office is like the most tediously boring and also just like... You feel like you're not doing anything. You're just answering. And then it was during the election. It was during the 2000 election. And, you know, people were calling us to tell us, like, that Al Gore should, you know, he should concede. And I'm like, what are you? Okay, I'll I'll tell the congressman about this. I'm sure he's going to care what you think about it. And honestly, he was never there, which is not surprising. He's supposed to be in D.C. Um and there was a lot of bickering, a lot of back. It just was like, it just felt super gross to me. It was boring and gross. And like, he's a fine person. It was, I don't think there was anything like untoward going on. It just was the climate that I didn't like. So, I mean, if anything, <laughs> it showed me, I don't really want to work in politics. I like monitoring politics, but I, it's a, it's just such a dirty business. And 
even if you're on a side that you believe in, it kind of seems to rob you of your soul. So thank you to that internship for that. (laughs) (sighs) I'm I'm reading about Harold Ford Jr. Yeah. Yeah. After he left Congress in 2007. uh, Then I don't really, then he did some stuff. Then he went to work for Morgan Stanley. I mean, (laughs) Kel Shocker. Um, uh, yeah. Well, th- now he's he was... at PNC Financial oh. Services. Oh. Oh. Well, I also found a story that says that he was fired from Morgan Stanley for uh, conduct inconsistent with our values and in violation oh, of our policies. Oh, he also, a, yeah, he his family um, is also like I think they owned like um, funeral homes. I don't know. His family was like a bi- like a big deal in Memphis, and there was a lot of controversy with his family in Memphis. It was yeah. He was somebody yeah. until he wasn't somebody, and now he, I guess, is just making money, which, know, congrats. Um, update. In late 2017, this is from Wikipedia, erroneous media reports said that he was fired for sexual misconduct, and Morgan Stanley uh, issued a statement the following month saying that no sexual misconduct took place. Well, that's wonderful. Because so. I, I just I posted his tweet denying ever forcibly grabbing a woman or man in his life. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, which is uh, just so hard to hear someone say at face value at this day, you know? No, right, so. right. He did uh, run for um, Senate, and he, I mean, this was 2006. Tennessee's gotten way more conservative, but he, it, it was 51-48. Like, it was, you know, he basically yeah. he went all of West Tennessee and then anything natural and East, you lose because that's all white people that are scared. Um, (laughs) anyway, that's, that was my, that was my experience. Um, being an intern is, you know, it's, I I think it is good to have, I mean, we've talked about this and when we're talking about like having a retail job or having a, you know, food service job, I guess an internship is sort of a, um, fancier version, but it's like, you gotta grind, you gotta learn the shitty stuff. It sucks. you, You need to. Yeah. Well, hopefully you have – it teaches you to have compassion for other people yes. that then fill those roles. So, you know, everybody should have to work a shitty food service job, right? So everybody should have to be the the office grunt yep. as well. Yep. And hopefully that will teach them about being a better human being. But I don't know. It's another one of those things when you're in those positions, you're so young that – you don't you don't have any experience you don't have any knowledge and you don't really know what it all means until much much later yep um yeah so i like i wasn't aware of learning anything then but i guess you know i guess that that's the best kind of learning right is the stuff that you don't know you're doing at the time yep maybe question mark you're like hey wait a second it actually (laughs) helped me or, or you realize it's what you don't want. Like I yeah. tell my new interns that all the time. I say you're going to be here for three months or whatever. Like take all this in. And then when you're done, you may love this and be willing to sacrifice things like great pay and easy hours to work this kind of job. Right. Or you might realize this is not for you and better now than two years into a career trajectory. So, yep. you know. And I, and I don't think I was strategic about any of it. Obviously, nepotism is not really a, that strategic of a move, but it's like, I just wanted a job, man. I just wanted to make some yeah. money. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And will you sign my manual, please? <laughs> no. I won't sign your manual, Bobby. You're going to get you a meeting. You're going to get you a, a, a media handler first. Or a... 
I'm going to work with Hillary's mom. What yeah, are you talking on. about? Yep. It's the best. Um, Hillary, you know where I see people playing the role of your mom a lot? Where? Episodes of Murder, She Wrote. Oh. <laughs> because I think, every, I think every third episode is Jessica doing a talk and book signing in some other city yep. and then somebody gets murdered. Yep. There's Kathleen always the woman it. who's standing by to swoop her out of her <laughs> yes. signing table or whatever. She has some good stories, man. She's she's worked in, with. In case of rowdy fans. Yeah. I mean. They, she needs that. someone to quickly usher her away. I mean, Jessica yes. Fletcher oh, yeah. would. Absolutely. <laughs> JB um, gets a lot of attention, you know. Yeah. Kathleen's worked with some good people. And I always know. I'm like, did you like that person? You know, if she works with XYZ. <laughs> and when she was like, she was like. They were fine. That means that they were like they they weren't rude, but they weren't like engaging with her. And then there's mm. some people that she loved. She loved Mary Higgins Clark. They were like buds. She was a nice lady. Hmm. A little little juice from the literary world. <laughs> um So yeah, what was your internship experience, listeners? That'll be the question of the week. Tell yep. us. Um, I have a feeling some of these will be better told in a voice memo. So yes. keep that in mind as you think about that. Um, all right. Should we move on to T she recommends? Um, okay. Recommend something to me, please. I will. Okay. So I'm going to caveat with this. This this is from 2010, which I didn't realize because on HBO. It says I was going to say. You know, on HBO, it said 2023. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, wait, I don't think this is 20. I don't think this is 2023, but I enjoyed it regardless. Last week I was looking for something to watch and I like, you know, sometimes you want to settle into a documentary and it is a documentary about the financial crisis. And I don't know why I, sometimes I need to be things to be re-explained to me or I need to like invigorate my anger at the fact that like nobody really has gone to jail for this, but it is just, they, it's really a, they knew situation and they just like duped everybody into buying houses that they couldn't afford and you know the derivatives junk and it just is horrifying but it is really interesting and lays it out very well and it's it's narrated by Matt Damon which Matt Damon has the most Matt Damon voice whenever you're here. like there's Matt Damon like there's <laughs> yep. no confusing it at all um yeah. but I I really enjoyed it and it kind of re-educated myself now of course it's like 2010 things have changed but not really like the basics are pretty much still the same so inside job on I hate to say it. I'm always like HBO. No, it's just Max now. I'm just called Max. Just Max. <laughs> See, I saw it and thought it was Inside Man, the 2006 oh. thriller starring Denzel, Clive Owen, and Jodie Foster. That's a good movie. And I was like, yeah, that was a good movie. That's a good movie. That's a really good movie. I, I, you know what? Maybe I think Spike Lee directed that movie. Yeah. 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 That's a good movie. Okay, like, you know, Clive Owen. Chris, Christopher Plummer's in this. Mm. Willem Dafoe's in this. Chiwetel is in this. Dang. Cast. Clive Bar- he should have been Clive Owen, not Clive Barker. That's another person my mom worked with, Clive Barker, and those people are bananas that come to his book signings. But um I uh Clive Owen should have been bigger than he actually was because he was very handsome and he was a good actor. Or I mean he's not dead. Um just- what was the movie where um oh, it's called like Dead Till I Die or something? That's not the right title, but um he was like a retired croupier mob. No, 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 no. no, no. It was after croupier. It was, wait, I'm going to find it right here. It was he, it, Jonathan Reese Myers. It was his Ooh. younger brother who died. And then he came back to, then Clive Owen came back to find, you know, who did it. And it's, um, Ooh. something. 
It's something. It's something. Ooh, I mean, that sounds good to me. Man, he's got so many. He really 179 does. credits. Dang. I'm like, where did he go? And he's like, I've been here the whole time. I'll sleep when I'm dead. That's what it was okay. called from 2003. Okay. All right. Okay. Shocking. There's some shocking stuff in there. Okay. A former gangster re-enters the criminal underworld after his brother suspiciously commits suicide. I didn't want to say that he committed suicide in case it was a spoiler, but I guess yeah. it's in the blurb. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. I'll check that out. And then do great, celebrate great, great recommends tangent. Yeah, exactly. The Clive <laughs> Owen, the Clive Owen tangent. Uh, how did I end up on this once again? Get involved. Well, that's fine. I'll do it again. You can, uh, I signed you up. Find that's how the show at the show is everything.com, which forwards to our, um, new fancy, very simple, uh, site where you can listen to the show. You can listen to our blog. Uh, you can join us in the Facebook group, which is where all the real fun happens. The show has everything. You can email us your voice memos or your extended thoughts, if you like, in text form at tshishow at gmail.com. The AOL t-shirt uh, keyword, as always, is tshi. Uh, and until next, until next time, that was everything from us on free internship labor. Did you get choked out? Not free. Yeah, and not free. Well, but our doing this show is free. So. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> this is my midlife internship. Wait, have you two been getting paid? <laughs> oh, we forgot to tell you. Shit. <laughs> yeah, girls get paid on the show, Bobby. Oh. Only girls. I mean, I guess, uh, I guess I'm going to smash the patriarchy. We might as well start here. <laughs> yep. Josie's <laughs> on a vacation far away. Just cause you're under the beat around Another